0: Hello, everyone. I am Blake Fletcher, and this is the Half Hour Intern podcast, where we explore the interesting paths people take in life. That that you just heard in the intro, and what you are currently hearing behind me is the beautiful voice of today's guest, Chelsea Friedlander, who is an opera singer. And Chelsea is not an old woman, and she is not European or something. She is a young American woman. And, uh, and that is basically the first thing that we talk about, is how the heck did you get into opera? It doesn't strike me as something that, that a young girl in the united states would want to get into but she sort of corrects me on that for that matter i knew basically nothing about opera going into this so chelsea corrects me on a lot and educates me a lot in this episode so if you do not know a lot what goes into opera and and what goes into being able to sing opera and do opera and how that's different from uh from regular singing you should learn a lot in this episode so without further ado here is opera singer chelsea thanks so much for joining me on the show today
1: Thank you so much for having me.
0: Yeah, absolutely. So I am fascinated to hear more about this. And as I was just telling you before we hit the record button, I'm fascinated that it's you that does this. That's like a young person specifically in the United States. I feel like opera is like an old person's thing. I I am sure that that's something that you get a lot and is like a bad like stereotype <laughs> of opera. But how do you, as a young person, even know about or or care about opera music? Like, how did you get into this?
1: So um, my grandfather actually said before I could walk, I was dancing. And before I could talk, I was singing. That's so so
0: awesome.
1: I started singing at a really young age. And like most young children, singing musical theater and doing community theater productions. And, um, it wasn't until I was nine years old that my mom, who is a professional pianist and is also an alum of Manhattan school, which I'm a alum of Manhattan school as well, which we can get into later, um, said, I think she needs some voice lessons. And so my first voice teacher was operatically and classically trained and, A lot of people know this about me, that I kind of fell into opera. It wasn't really the plan, and I fell in love with it myself. And at the time... Wait, so explain the age of all this to me. So I was nine when I took my first voice lesson. Okay. And he... It just so happened
0: that this guy had this opera background.
1: Yes, and his motto was that every female was a soprano, which is... Kind of true kind of not um, and just by God's gift and luck I turned out to be a soprano and obviously hard work and dedication after all these years um, but I was with him for about four or five years and then um, every opera singer or uh, musician kind of goes through a stage where enough you've learned all you can from the teacher and so you move on and
0: That's so great. I picture that like all these scenes in these movies (laughs) and stuff. It's usually not opera. It's usually like Kung Fu or something, you know, but it's like, I've trained you all. I can train you. And then you like just walk on alone, you know,
1: it is so true. No, you don't walk... Well, you don't really walk alone because I have a team of supporters who help me and who have nurtured me. And currently, um, I have an amazing coach and amazing voice teacher in New York City. So there are so many people that go into um, helping you, you know, uh, craft your your passion and your job. Yeah. So, um, yeah. So I have actually, even though... I know this is an audio um, interview but and I look young but I've been singing for 20
0: years. That's crazy. That's so <laughs> crazy. That's awesome. And you've been singing like opera style for 20 years as well.
1: So, yeah, so I got the op- after I got the opera bug, I went to the Cleveland Institute of Music and got my Bachelor's of Music and that's a 4-year program and then from there moved to New York City and got my Master's of Music at Manhattan School of Music.
0: Okay, so at what point in all of this, like you say, got the opera bug and all that. uh, At what point in training were you like, okay, this guy's trained in opera and actually I really like this. And I think that this is something that I want to do as opposed to just being like a pop singer or something.
1: Oh, that's a hard one. Um, Well, really, I do like to say that I i am a performer. I love to sing. I have always been happy just singing period. And when I was in training, I thought the best way to go about my path was to have a healthy um, voice education and really, um, and a musical theater education is so different from that of an opera training. And so and when I was looking at colleges and, and deciding what I wanted to do, I felt that the opera direction was, was the path for me. Um, and even still currently, even though my uh, recent contracts have been all in the opera realm, I still like to do what's called Crossing Over, which is a musical theater okay so i was gonna ask about uh, that with
0: opera in general like do you are a lot more jobs open to you if you can also act because like you know i've seen i've i don't think i've ever i'm so bummed that i don't live on the east coast where you're at so i can come see you because i don't think i've ever seen an opera performance in person but i know that when i've seen opera performances in movies and stuff like that it's like it seems like half the time that they're portrayed it's a drama like it's it's done with some sort of acting as well. You know, like some sure. very like old school Shakespearean thing. Um, sure. So do, are, are like more jobs open to you if you also have some acting chops and you can do that?
1: Well, it's awesome to be versatile. And as an opera singer, we are singing actors. So in the opera world, people actually get a little um, upset if you think we only sing. Um,
0: <laughs> Good to know. I'm glad you didn't just get upset with me.
1: <laughs> no, 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 no. Um, and actually, when when you are working on a role, there's so much more than just the singing aspect. Usually, you're singing in a different language. You are working with other singers who have also either been just singing the language or working on the language, and then you're thinking about the drama and the conductor and the musicians. I mean, as an opera singer, you are just such a small part of this huge undertaking that you don't even think about until you're on stage like so many people help me get to this yeah. point you have the artistic director you have the conductor you have the orchestra you have your colleagues who you're singing with you have the costumers the lighting people I mean so many things encompass you or me as an opera singer having a successful performance so when you think about all those elements it's it's quite exciting
0: yeah for sure so that depiction that i mentioned in movies of like the the drama and everything like you're saying that's basically all opera like all opera is like that
1: Yeah, well, and, you know, how you were saying before, how a lot of people think that opera is, you know, for the older generation, it is definitely becoming more current. And if you think about um, a lot of the opera themes, most of the opera themes are things that we deal with day to day. Love, sex, revenge, jealousy, happiness. I mean, these are key elements in life. Um, But I think there is just there just still happens to be that stereotype of you know, opera is a higher art form and um, there are quite a few opera companies who are trying to modernize opera to make it more relevant so that we do have young people like myself singing, but also young people in the audience um, attending opera because we they, need that.
0: For that reason, do they do some operas in English now and, and so people can like understand the, the drama behind the music and like what's happening?
1: They do so. uh, The main languages that operas are sung in are number one English, but uh, the most popular is French, Italian, and German. And during my time in school, I studied how to learn the diction of those languages. I don't speak any of those language languages fluently, Um, but recently there has been a new wave of taking those operas that are usually sung in German, French or Italian, and then translating them into more current um, English. So for instance, a colleague of mine just did a Mozart opera in English with a Star Wars theme.
0: That, so... Oh my God. <laughs> Where can I see that? That sounds awesome. <laughs>
1: So, um, so, you know, or like, um, another opera company that I'm actually going to be working for did the elixir of love in a 1950s diner style. So, um, you know, people are being inventive and creative trying to get more people in the seats.
0: Yeah, that's really cool. Uh, I would love to know about the, tra- like a little bit more about the training that's involved in the skill sets that sure. you need to be able to be an opera singer because it strikes me as something that like you have to be good at singing at a bare minimum to be able to be an opera singer but then there's so much more than that goes into it um like how uh every kleenex is a tissue but not every tissue is a kleenex type thing it's like every opera singer like is just a really good singer but not every good singer could sing opera i feel like like when you watch a show like the voice or american Mm -hmm. idol or whatever it Mm -hmm. is these people get up there and they're like yeah i've never performed before i've never no i just like sing in the shower and you're like that's amazing because your voice is crazy good and like you just have this natural talent and yet if you ask those people hey could you just sing opera for me right now they'd be like absolutely not i have no idea how to do that
1: (laughs) uh that's a loaded question um yeah the the training involved first of all you have to be. I would first and foremost say you have to be a hundred percent dedicated to what you're doing. There's so many layers. I mean, first just knowing your body and your instrument. I mean, it's so different than you know picking up a trumpet or sitting down at the piano because you're, um, you're not the instrument. I am my own instrument. So what I eat, what I drink, what I do, sleep, everything—that's
0: a really good point.
1: Everything is affected. You know, like my mom, she can play the piano when she's sick, has a sore throat, and a lot of instrumentalists can do that as well. Um, and of course, singers sing when they're sick, and you navigate that when you get to that point. And. Um, usually many of the times with some of these opera companies, there's not a cover for you, meaning an understudy or someone who can step in, you know, last minute if you really are sick. So you have to learn those things about your instrument. Um,
0: why is that? Is that because your voice is very specific to the role or, you know, like why would they not have a backup of some sort?
1: Because these opera companies, unfortunately, don't have the means to have more people in the event. I mean, of course, bigger places like the Metropolitan Opera Company and bigger houses, they have people—God forbid something Um, happens—but just the contract that I recently did— if something happened to me, that would have not been good because there was no one to sing my role. So, um, so it's, it's a lot about, you know, self care and, you know, saying no to a lot of things, which you learn early on. Um, and you learn through mistakes too, um, and what you can and can't do, but, um, the training of singing is definitely something that is taken seriously amongst opera singers and making sure that your technique is something that you'll have for 20, 30 plus years. The the constant question that I get a lot is, how can you sing like that? You must be so tired. Isn't your voice hoarse? Well, no, because this is the things that I've been training how to do, um, are just part of my every day. Now, the thing that I'm mostly tired is my body because I'm usually exerting so much energy and breath support. And those are key things that you learn early on to help you. And of course, every performance is a different experience. You learn about nerves, you learn what food you like to eat before. Um, every singer has their own regime of sorts um so that's i I mean it's that's a loaded question (laughs) yeah
0: so give us a little peek behind the curtain like you mentioned breath support and things like that like what are some of the things that are very key for an opera singer to like become adept at to and and, and more specifically because that would also a little bit apply to regular singing like are there certain trainings that an opera singer needs to be much more aware of than if you were just singing pop music or something
1: sure well the most important thing about opera is that we are not miked so we are trained to. holy s- crap
0: i never <laughs> knew that you have got to be kidding me
1: no so we learn how to project and support our voices to sing over an orchestra with no mics
0: oh my god that's incredible <laughs> Now, going back to you talking about how tired you should be and stuff like that makes so much sense. That's incredible.
1: (laughs) Yeah. So, well, I mean, and you're tired because you're running around the stage, you're in a costume, you're in a wig, you have lights. I mean, sometimes you get to the theater two, three hours beforehand if they're doing your hair and your makeup. So there's a lot of downtime. So you have to learn how to energize yourself before you even step out on stage. Um, But yeah, kind of Uh, talking about, you know, behind the curtain and some things that are important is definitely breath support. That is the number one, most important thing. Um, the vocal folds are the two vocal folds you have, and they are the width of a dime. And when you sing and you breathe, they come together and they vibrate. And so we are using such a small, um, part of our of our bodies to produce, you know, massive sound that, um, you know, and every voice is different and every body is different. So you don't get the same thing. Um, but you know, and not everyone can, can do what we do. And it's also very, a very subjective art form because you can sing wonderfully, but you might not look the part or, you might not be tall enough for the, your love interest, who they're casting, who's maybe six feet tall, and I'm five two. So yeah, there's totally. so many other, you know things that go into the business as as well um that sometimes you never know about because you walk into an audition and you sing the absolute best you can and if they like you great if they don't then i just say it's not meant to be so
0: (laughs) yeah for sure how would you rank or i shouldn't say how would you rank how does it seem like they rank the different things in an audition like where does your voice fall on all of this versus like your appearance and your acting and all that, like, is Ugh. does voice just so highly trump the other things, or not really? Like, they, they, everything needs to get weighed evenly.
1: I definitely would say it's, I, I would hope it's a combination of everything. Also, when you go to your auditions, um, me myself, I cater my audition package, which means we when you go to an audition, you bring four or five of your best representative pieces. Usually it's one in each language and you get to start with your selected piece and then they sometimes choose a second piece. but um, as you go into your auditions you, hope that you can figure out, you know, what is that opera company presenting this year? Are they presenting a contemporary opera that's sung in English? Well, I have a contemporary opera piece that I like to sing. And, um, as much as you want to give credit to the people who are listening to you, and sometimes they've listened to four or 500 singers in a few days, you want to give them like a little wink and a nudge to help them out that you, could be right for the thing that they're presenting, because sometimes um in opera and musical theater, casting directors or opera directors um aren't as creative as you would think, so mm. sometimes you have to help them by saying, "Oh yes, well, I sing this piece, and it's similar to what you're presenting, so don't you think I would be a good fit right. you know i mean you're you're saying that, but not through through your audition. So it's really tricky. Um, I am going to Chautauqua opera this summer and they auditioned 900 singers and I am one. (laughs) So as you were saying before, you think, you know, I know you've never interviewed an opera singer, but there are a lot of us who are young and still very green and, you know, wanting to, potentially lead this operatic lifestyle and it is very competitive
0: what is the, the is there is there a a sorry uh, <laughs> try not to stutter <laughs> over myself here is there a, a really common backstory that you hear a lot from other young opera singers like your backstory of oh my teacher was into opera so that's kind of what led me into this what I thought it was going to be was your parents like ahead of time or even your grandparents or something like that. Um, is that the most common thing that you see is like, oh, my my mom was an opera singer. My dad was an opera singer. And now I do it. Or what are the ways that you find that young people are getting into opera? Yeah,
1: Um I think everyone's story is a little different. Um, I'm just lucky that I had a musical background and from a very young age, my mom was always accompanying me. So that really helped strengthen my musicality and her ear and knowing that it was time to find a voice teacher. Um, I think it's different for a lot of people. I know uh, friends who opera was always playing in their homes and they grew up on opera and um, they they couldn't imagine themselves doing anything else. I have friends who went to school for completely other different degrees and now are in music and or have dual degrees in something English and music. And um, everyone is a little different, which makes, you know, um, creating a character also um different, you know, when you go into opera companies and because as a person, everyone's backstories are so different. And, um, someone told me that, you know, even though your role may start on page 20, let's say your character had a whole life before you sang your first note on page 20. So that's always really interesting for me to think about, Um, And everyone kind of brings something different to the table, which is always exciting, especially because, yeah, and especially because uh, some of the most famous operas, like I just sang in Carmen and I sang the role of Frisquita. There are a million people who have sang this role, which is like the gypsy sidekick to Carmen. And I mean if I interviewed 20 other girls who sang the same role as me, I'm sure we all would say something different about our character, which is just um, another layer of artistry when it comes to honing our craft and the singing and it's delicate balance of, of many things.
0: <laughs> I love that. That's so cool. Um, yeah. I would love to know more about what in your eyes makes sort of a quote unquote good opera singer versus a not good opera singer um, and, and if and if in that baby so that way you don't have to just say oh this is good this is bad if you can talk to us just about like differentiation in in opera voices as well and how you differentiate sure. yourself how other people differentiate themselves because again it is as uh, clearly like a layman that knows nothing about anything um, when when I see opera in in film or television, it looks very similar to me always, you know, and sounds sure. very similar to me versus when I I think about other genres of music. It's like, oh, this person sings with a raspy voice. This person sings with a clear voice. This person sings with that type of voice. And I feel sure. like. I imagine some of those things you're just kind of not allowed to do in opera. Like, you can't be a raspy opera singer. You can't be a twangy opera singer. Like, sure. it's like, come on, dude, get <laughs> out of here with your opera twang. Like, that's not allowed. <laughs> so wh- what are the ways in which people do differentiate and what are the things that kind of classify as good opera?
1: Okay, well, the thing that came to me right when you were asking that question was um, there has been a tradition in opera that's and in musical theater, actually, that's called park and bark, which means you just stand and you sing. And this tradition has become very boring to us um, as performers and audience members, because you don't want to just sit and watch someone. You want to sit and watch someone sing, but you want to feel their emotion, whether they're singing in English or not. Um, And so this is something that is not so good, (laughs) what you were saying, not so good. Um, when I listen to singers, there are so many things that I, I like to, um, that are good to me, which is you hear the expression in their voice and maybe a few notes in particular aren't perfect and they aren't beautiful because there is emotion in the voice and you're not doing this park and bark, which is just standing there and, and singing. Um, and there are so many, um, things that make up just a great artist. And that's one of them. And, and also when you see a young singer or a more established singer that you don't see technique, In their face, that they're not thinking, okay, well, I need to shape this vowel like this, or I need to be in this particular space in my mouth, and my tongue needs to be relaxed, and I'm thinking about my breath. These are all things that are great for what we call in the practice room. Like, you can do anything in the practice room, but then you... Throw those things away because you get on stage and you just have to rely on that technique and that hard work. I mean, they say it's like what over a hundred thousand hours make a great whatever, you know, singer, interviewer, um, and so it's all that work that you do aside, and then you bring, you know, you hopefully see that, um, and you know, and as an artist, I see that with all my colleagues. You know, all the work that's been put in. Um, So the things that you like
0: and the things that you think probably a lot of other people like as well are noticing emotion and noticing um, just like variants and things like that.
1: Yeah, for sure. Um, There was a great singer, Maria Callas, and she was known for taking dramatic risks and her singing wasn't always perfect, but you could just close your eyes and listen to her. And, and you knew that, you know, that either that gut wrenching feeling of, you know, despair or sorrow or, or just pure joy, because you could hear it in, in her voice. And, um, that's really something that is overall really important. I think to me, um, being emotive, but sometimes it is a balance of, making sure you're not so emotive that you still can't have the beauty in your sound um, that you've worked on so hard that I, you know, that I still work on.
0: (laughs) Yeah, for sure. It's like, you can't let this like flame of emotion just like burst and like burn up your entire piece.
1: Yes, yes. So um but you were talking, you had mentioned before um like what kind of singer I am. So I am a soprano, but underneath that there's an umbrella of so many different types of sopranos. There's dramatic, there's lyric soprano, there's a coloratura and it just the classify there's so many classifications for Singers, um, and it's mostly just the type of repertoire that you sing and the types of roles that you get to sing. And so I am, I classify myself as a lyric coloratura, which means I sing some of the young ingenue roles, and soon I'll be um, getting into more leading lady roles that have these special elements musically that classify this type of soprano that I am. And that goes for all the voice parts, mezzo, soprano, uh, baritone, bass, tenor. They have their own classifications as well as to what types of roles they will sing. Um, And, you know, as you get older, the voice matures and your look matures. And so like everyone, you go from doing, you know, younger roles to, you know, older
0: roles. Yeah. Yeah. How many different classifications are there between the main and then like the sub classifications. like how many things would they branch out to if, if you were like a casting director looking for a role, like how many different types of voices could you be looking for?
1: Quite a lot, I would say, but I think it's always best that, you know, I have a clear, I have a clear sense of the type of singer I am and the types of roles that I will sing. Um, and so that's always a good thing to walk into an audition and know who you are as a singer because
0: sure.
1: a lot of the times when singers and young singers go into auditions, they have all these different roles on their resume. And we call it like behind the table. The people behind the table, they don't understand who you are. And then they also think you don't understand who you are. Right. But vocally um so this is really really important um well that aside
0: chelsea i think you can sing anything you know (laughs) i think you're like the best office singer there is so i think you can sing whatever you want
1: (laughs) well thank you um it's it's not about always it's not about singing everything it's about singing um healthily and beautifully and um you know representing myself in a way that's going to be um, hireable as well. And I mean that in a positive way, um, because you always want to hear a healthy instrument. And, you know, sometimes like you had mentioned, like the voice or American Idol, you just see people, their voices might be really spectacular to someone who may not sing at all, but there is a lot of, um, non-training that has gone on there and you see their veins starting to come out the side of their neck and you see their face getting red and this is no good
0: <laughs> yeah yeah for sure so-
1: And as a trained singer, it's really scary to to watch shows like that. Um, And of course, you know, when I tell people I'm an opera singer, they always say, oh, you should go on one of those shows, you know, and (laughs) and that's not uh, that's not the goal.
0: (laughs) Yeah, for sure. For sure. So, Chelsea, you mentioned earlier about uh, sort of your Reactions when you see certain people, um, and the things that you notice when people are on stage. And I can't remember the woman's name that you gave that that you thought was like spectacular and very emotive and stuff. Um, is it interesting for you to, to go to opera with other people? Like, do you ever get to sit in the audience, and or people come to see your opera that it's like their first opera ever, or their second or their third, you know? And they don't really have a lot of experience, and you're like, so what did you think? Or you're sitting there with them in the audience, and like afterwards, like so what do you think? And to hear what like a layman has to say about things versus someone like you, who is who is looking at all these like very specific things. And and, like, what do they say kind of compared to what you say?
1: Sure. So uh, the first thing I'll say is sometimes it's very surprising that opera singers usually I mean, I can't generalize, but we don't like to go to the opera as much because we live it. We are in rehearsals. We're performing. It would be like me saying, you're going to watch someone interview someone. And that's what you do, you know? Um, And so, but I will say when I do go to the opera, um, it's sometimes uh, something that I am preparing. So for instance, in January, before I went to sing with Dayton opera, I saw Carmen at the Met and it gave me inspiration for my character and also gives me, uh, just like a little sneak peek of what's to come musically and how I'm going to prepare and things like that. So, um, that's always really exciting because you kind of get to, even though as an audience member, you're watching what you know is going to happen in a few months for yourself and you kind of visualize how that's going to be for you. So that's always exciting that's awesome. for me. Um, and so I do that a lot. I usually see a lot of the operas that I'm going, if I, if I am able to, um, cause then it just helps you give like a flavoring of, of what's to come, um, which is very exciting and also sometimes overwhelming because you know how much music you have to learn. Yeah, uh, no because, <laughs> um, but I have totally had the experience of, uh, friends and family coming to see my performances, having never been to an opera. And just the fact that you're exposing them to something that's brand new is always exciting and they usually are in disbelief because um I hope, you know, talking to me you can tell I'm down to earth and, and open and bubbly and 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 I'm I'm pretty short, uh five two and people think I'm I'm much taller and, and bigger on stage and um it's always really surprising to see what people have to say after. Yes. Um but but that, that is really exciting and um part of the contract that I just did at Dayton Opera, we did what's called opera outreach where we were going into the schools and exposing high schoolers and elementary school students to musical theater and opera. And some students had never heard anyone sing opera. And so the fact that you know whether it be a student or a family member or a friend who's never seen opera, it's just so exciting to you know share. You know I share a part of myself when I perform, and and maybe it'll entice them to go to another opera that you're not in. And like I said, we we need support in the arts, and so Definitely. that's that's something really exciting. And even, you know, if, if one of the students who, who is in one of the audiences in the winter came up to me and said, you know, I, I want to do what you're doing. And just one student who says that is, is everything because you know, that you at least touched one person with the music and, and what you're doing. Absolutely. So that's always very rewarding.
0: Yeah. So it, has anything ever stuck out to you? Um, that's like memorable, that somebody has told you after a show. Uh, like I'm thinking of just in general in life, like it's, it's good and funny sometimes to hang out with children with, well, that sounds weird to hang out with children, no, I know. <laughs> uh, like children that, you know, like, you know, in your family right. or something. Right. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, and because they'll, you know, they observe things that you as an adult just don't observe anymore, you know? And, and it's like the funniest thing. And it's like, you know what? Like, I don't observe things like that anymore, but I'm glad you did. And it's like, it, it's, it's not any weirder that you observe that little kid thing than the things that I observe. Like, do people that don't know much about opera come and they say something and you're like, Oh my God, that's like the funniest thing that you would even say that. But yeah, like that makes sense.
1: Um, Well, just recently we were doing, um, myself and three other colleagues were doing this show called cooking up opera for elementary school students. And we did a Q and a at the end and we were in chef hats because we were talking about the ingredients that make up an opera rhythm, character, uh, voice types. And, um, the question was, is it, opera edible
0: <laughs> that's so good
1: and that was uh, i mean that's the thing that just comes to mind and you know and and you know for maybe if you're in elementary school what six seven years old and there are singers who are wearing chef hats i mean that's a totally plausible yeah. question i'm you're
0: making me realize like i gotta work on my interviewing skills like that should have been on my list of questions right here is is opera edible <laughs>
1: too funny so
0: you live in new york do you have to live in like new york la chicago places like that if you want to do this so if somebody right now is listening and they're like yeah i have this dream i would like to do opera and they live in like the middle of the country are they they need to pack their bags and leave
1: No, definitely not. Um, I say to those people that you just have to be with a great voice teacher, someone who in your gut that you trust with your instrument because you only have one instrument. Um, and you make opportunities for yourself if you're in a place that you can't go to auditions, but, um, New York seems to be the hub of where the opera auditions are and all the opera companies from the United States and even Europe come to New York. Mm-hmm. So that seems to be a good place Um, And of course, you know, nowadays with the internet, there are plenty of places where you submit your materials and things like that. So New York is not the end-all be-all, but currently I'm a little transient with my contracts um, as I'm going to Chautauqua Opera and I'll be there for seven and a half weeks. And in the fall, I have some upcoming contracts. And so I'm not really anywhere particularly right now which um to me is really the dream is being a full-time singer and um and, and living out of a suitcase <laughs>
0: yeah for sure so let's let's start to wind this thing down and and talk yeah. a little bit about that of like the lifestyle of an opera singer and like the lifestyle that you live because of this vocation so sure. like how many hours uh per day do you work how many days per week do you work is it a lot of like nights versus days, like when you are uh, rehearsing versus when uh, a performance is actually happening? And then how often do you have a home base versus how often do you not? And you're just out and about?
1: Sure. Well, um, I can only really talk of my experience over the past year because this past year has been a very successful one for me um, where I debuted with Dayton Philharmonic in December and then I moved to Dayton, Ohio um for uh for 4 months and was living and working there and I had rehearsals uh I mean it, it varies. Every opera company varies, but um I made my main stage debut there and was in rehearsals for that and usually um a smaller opera company like Dayton will give you anywhere from 2 to 3 weeks of rehearsal, usually 4 or 5 hours a day. Um and then you have what's called the final week before your show opens. is called Tech Week. And that's when you get to go on the stage, you're in costume, you're in hair and makeup. Um, and that's the week leading to the performances. And what's usually very shocking about opera is you work really hard and you only get to do, maybe if you're lucky, four performances. Um, the show that I just did, it was just two. So uh, you really Wow, in-
0: so all of, the, all of the- <laughs> the learning like (laughs) and it's like a different language and everything for the most part and all of that goes into like two performances and it's like oh hey glad you spent all that time learning german
1: yeah yeah. so uh so yeah so i um i i did this main stage debut and then i stayed on to do this artist in residence program which includes the opera outreach that i talked about um which was two performances and we were doing Uh, school time shows. So that was anywhere between, you know, eight o'clock in the morning until maybe one, two o'clock in the afternoon. Uh, and then my contract ended with another main stage, um, production, which is similar schedule as what I had just talked about. Um, I'm currently on a little break, uh, and usually there is no real break. Uh, I have been working ferociously on music for my upcoming contract because whenever you get to your contract, it is in your contract that you are learned and memorized and ready to go. Mm. And I'm working on a very difficult contemporary opera by Philip Glass, who is a minimalist, which you can do some research on. (laughs) Um, And it's very difficult with uh, poems by Allen Ginsberg, who is a very free-flowing poet. And it has been um, challenging, but hopefully, but hopefully very rewarding once it's on its feet. So um, these past uh, two weeks that I've been, you know, quote unquote off, I've been working on that and going into the city and seeing my vocal coach who helps me with uh, the more dramatic things and my diction. And then this week I went into the city and saw my voice teacher who helps me with all of my more technical aspects of singing. Um, And so like I was saying, my team of Of people and uh yeah and um i'll come back to Chautauqua and uh the end of summer beginning of fall is when a lot of opera singers get ready for auditions for the following season so we audition for we audition in 2017 but a lot of the things that we are contracted for will be for 2018 um and and so it's just constantly, constantly learning music, constantly uh, being, I hate to say it, but selfish with our art. And uh, yeah, that's, it's kind of, you know, it's a different, a different lifestyle. And um, totally, like I it's said, a I hustle have,
0: Just to make sure that you can get paid, you know, like, it, it, I this mean...
1: Is, this is very true. There's a very funny, um, I don't I think it's called like a meme that's on Facebook that says, you know, I packed my instrument in my car and I drove all this away and you know, it's like all this money, they, they show, you know, how all these things add up. And then it's like, and then I got 50 bucks at the end of the game. Yeah,
0: totally. Totally.
1: (laughs) But, uh, but, uh, but you know what, if, if you love what you do, you'll never work a day in your life. And this is the path that, that I'm on currently. And a minute for for the long haul for now. <laughs>
0: yeah, that's great. Um, yeah. All right, so let's go ahead and finish this thing up with any sort of advice that you would give for someone that either wanted to make a career in opera or they wanted to just make a career in singing in general. And this can be like practical advice. It could be like philosophical advice, like whatever whatever you deem fit.
1: Sure. Well, I think the most important thing uh, for any career is to be a good colleague. I totally believe in karma and it all coming back to you. And there's been numerous times I've been at auditions and a soprano who's similar to me is asking if someone has the music for something. And so you all, you just always want to put your best foot forward, um, in that regard and, um, just patience, which is a hard one for me, Uh, (laughs) and that, you know, everything happens for a reason. And just because one person says, no, doesn't mean that it's over. This career is extremely subjective and, uh, I deal with a lot of rejection. And so just being positive and knowing that, uh, you know, when one, one door closes, another one opens and you just got to you know enjoy
0: the ride yeah <laughs> a lot of good life advice it just applies to everything i love it totally totally yeah. uh chelsea this has been so awesome thank you so much i'm sure you have thank a you. lot of new fans now that if uh if we're in new Yay. york we'll look you up and try to come yeah. see or if we're wherever since you'll be traveling around um that's
1: right do you
0: have a website or anything where you post where you're at or anything <laughs> like that
1: Yes, my website is com, and I have a professional Facebook page, which is Chelsea Friedlander comma Soprano, and I put my schedule up there and all sorts of fun things production photos Uh, but the best place to get me is definitely my website and there's video and audio to listen on there so that's a really great place to check me out
0: awesome that's so great chelsea this has been awesome thank you so much thank you hey everyone it's blake i hope you all enjoyed the episode if you did i would appreciate it so much if you considered leaving a review for the show on itunes I swear it'll only take like two minutes. Um, Just search for the show on iTunes, click on it, click on ratings and reviews. You can leave a quick review um, or just uh, keep listening to the show. I appreciate that as well or tell a friend about the show or something. And if you have any ideas for the show, if you have a particular job or hobby that you would like to hear interviewed on the show, if you yourself think that you do something interview worthy and you would like to tell the world about what this job or hobby is that you have, head on over to halfhourintern.com. There's a link right there at the top that says submit your ideas and you could submit your ideas for the show be them uh, somebody else that you would like me to interview a particular field that you would like to hear about or even if it is you yourself that would like to come on the show thanks so much for listening you guys